So yeah, welcome to Death Metal Discharge, the death metal podcast by a hardcore kid. I'm the aforementioned hardcore kid. My name is Vince, and today we're doing a little bit something different. We're going to be doing a long-form episode. I will I will be talking about some music that I've never heard before. So um, I thought I'd have Eli Ennis, who is an editor at Revolver Magazine and a writer for a whole bunch of other awesome publications and the host of or one of the hosts of endless scroll podcast and eli is a bit of a deathcore head so oh gosh that's my title here deathcore head uh <laughs> sure yeah yeah uh what's up <laughs> are, are you uh are you debating i i feel like as a former deathcore head for sure i still have like i retain the rights to to shit on it but also protect it so i kind of go between the two it's like i don't want to hear some some fucker shitting on deathcore but i also will make fun of it a lot (laughs) in a loving way (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's almost the same thing as hardcore like there's elements of hardcore that are super uh corny and played out to regular people absolutely yeah and you you know like hardcore kids will make fun of hardcore all day but the the moment some outsider posts uh, posts a video of people in a mosh pit, you're getting dogpiled by 300 hardcore kids on Twitter trying trying to uh, ratio you. So yeah, absolutely, it's one and the same. And I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here today, like the sort of similarities and the bleed over between deathcore and hardcore. Because the idea for this was born around a Twitter conversation that we had where the band Tsunami, who's like a pretty popular hardcore band right now, posted the cover to a deathcore album, The Healing Process by Despised Icon. And Eli, you said something along the lines of like, just wait until hardcore kids are wearing Winds of Plague hoodies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was Tsunami, like a very like hot and sort of like cool band for a lot of people in hardcore right now. And like, have are kind of on the cutting edge of like what's popular like aesthetically and musically i feel like for a large portion of hardcore to see a band like them big up a band that's traditionally like not part of hardcore at all is and in fact like shat on by hardcore kids i thought that was a a bold indication of a a change in the tides coming yeah i mean tsunamis i totally agree with you tsunami the way you put it tsunami is definitely one of the I'd say like on aesthetics, especially they're one of the most influential hardcore bands that are out right now. I just, they just played a fest in Toronto and like watching them kind of put it in perspective for me, like every single one of the bands that played before them owes a little bit to Tsunami, I think in terms of, if not the, the actual sound, like the presentation, certainly. Hell yeah. I mean, I think that they, yeah, like that style of like, kind of a little bit goofy a little bit tongue-in-cheek like 90s beat down really vintage crappy uh sort of graffiti style and swagger is definitely coming any band doing that is 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 jockeying tsunami in some way yeah i mean the amount of the amount of people i've heard being like yo shout out to the homies in the (laughs) 905 in the past like you know three years they're yeah. getting that from Tsunami too. And it's like bands that aren't even tough, I've heard doing stuff like that. 
Um, so like this kind of sparked an idea in me seeing this because my whole podcast is basically like the renaissance of classic death metal. How is it affecting the hardcore scene right now? And how can hardcore kids get into death metal or like, what can they take from death metal? And I never really thought about deathcore being something that would, um, like enter the purview of hardcore just because like you kind of alluded to it's something you get shit on by you know people of like my vintage our vintage and um yeah absolutely i mean i think i think that's starting to change a little like we're it's it's old enough now to where that is starting to go away and has gone away like i feel like being someone who was in I was into deathcore metalcore when I was in high school before I was into hardcore like that in the early 2010s like that was it was like the fresh genre that everyone whether you're to extreme metal or whether you're into hardcore or whatever like saw as this like new thing that was corny as hell and needed to be shot on but like people kind of just seemed like they ignored deathcore like it's kind of like they they stopped they left the kid alone who they used to bully like they finally just let him be for a little for a few years and now like they're realizing he's actually kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's it's um is it's really funny like to see that um it definitely was I remember bands like Amir were definitely you know I mean Amir kind of in my opinion like didn't help themselves. No, definitely but, not. <laughs> but like that whole kind of like vibe and aesthetic of like that kid was like that that kid's kind of been absorbed into the hardcore scene and let's i mean let's get into like what you kind of touched on a little bit what is your like relationship with deathcore and with hardcore just briefly well i mean i i came up you know i'm 27 so i i got into you know heavy heavy music through warp tour that was my entry i didn't have an older brother i didn't have any older siblings or like older friends to point me in one direction or the other so i just got into what was around me which yeah. thing i had access to was hot topic warp tour music and like that whole era of bands um, what year was this around like 2010 yeah so deathcore was like deathcore is like the, the the coolest thing in in like the biggest thing absolutely yeah at that point that was when it was just super super popping off and it was like to me like i at that point, like it was more accessible to me in a lot of ways than like death metal was like, I knew I was like, okay, there's this band cannibal corpse. That's kind of cool. But like, Oh, it's also this band suicide silence. Like they were literally on equal like grounds to me in terms of like what I was finding. Yeah. Um, uh, closer to your age and close to my age. Absolutely. Like it was all the other stuff was kind of like old guy music. Yeah. Um, cannibal corpse. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is old guy music. Uh, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> like, so whatever, like I was into metalcore and deathcore for a long time. I mean, and then into early college, that was when like Gent really, really blew up. Yeah. So I was really into Gent for a couple nice. of years. But then I, like, I, I, then I got into hardcore. Like I'd always liked a couple of hardcore bands, but I, I finally like fully took the dive. And um, what was the impetus for that? Was there anything that pushed you into it or was it just like... Like I was, always, I was getting bored of what I, I, my taste has always changed a lot. Like, you know, I just was kind of getting sick of, um, 
deathcore and I was getting sick of that style of like music and the attitude of that music or whatever. I wanted something a little more like real. Cause I always sure. liked, I like, I really loved Touche Amori in high school. You know, like there was always a part of me that really liked more quote unquote authentic aggressive music, but yeah. I also just liked the really dumb shit. Cause I thought it was fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I finally asked for an age where I was like, I, I kind of want to at least listen to other type of dumb shit, like <laughs> <laughs> different types of heavy dumb. And um, I went to school in Albany, New York, where, you know, a lot of like the Troy core scene came up in the nineties. And so I think it's, I think this is something I'm going to touch on throughout the podcast, but like, I appreciate you asking, like the scene I was a part of, of, of like metalcore and deathcore, which was kind of all together in Albany is a slightly smaller city. Like yeah, all the kids, my age, we all moshed really hard to the deathcore and the metalcore bands in the way that hardcore kids mosh. Like, it was there were some pretty intense shows and we yeah. all simultaneously transitioned into hardcore at the same time nice. um because of certain i think sub scenes and sub styles that haven't really gotten a lot of shine but were pretty prevalent in their early to mid 2010s yeah um and a lot of that was coming from deathcore so what i, I think my thesis here is like deathcore has had a lot more influence in ushering kids into hardcore these days than it's given credit for at this moment so i yeah. just want to make that evident <laughs> yeah just for me. sure for sure i i 1000 percent agree with you um i'll i've touched on very briefly touched on my relationship with deathcore before on this podcast but like around the same time as you like 20 2009 2010 i went to college and my friends who i made in college were all into like heavier, more extreme forms of music and deathcore was, you know, one of the most popular things at that time. So, you know, like my friends were into bands like Amur and the Acacia Strain and mm. like, what's that band? Texas with a dollar sign. Like, I remember that being a big thing. Um, and like, I was into like, quote unquote, like more real stuff, mm. but realistically it's just like snobbier stuff you know what i mean like i don't think it's any cooler to get into hardcore from a lot of spew than it is from deathcore you know what <laughs> oh, i yeah, mean dude, yeah <laughs> like so i was listening to deathcore when i was listening to a lot of spew like <laughs> yeah they're not mutually exclusive either <laughs> exactly and so but i was like i was like on the punk news board and like you know yeah. an acolyte of patrick kinlan so it was like i'm not fucking listening to deathcore like what is this shit you know what i mean yeah and um like i said like i wrote down here it, it, i kind of saw it like lowbrow and like ch for charlatans and like yokels and stuff like it just wasn't yeah. it wasn't arty you know what i mean there was no artistic pretense to it where i think stuff like touche amore and lot of spute sort of had that more like art school kid vibe where they're like the lyrics are like quote unquote super deep and shit like that so you know because of what is happening in um in hardcore nowadays kind of spearheaded by this conversation that we had around the tsunami picture um i kind of wanted to like you know extend this exercise i've been doing with the death metal albums to deathcore but I just didn't think it was like the right idea to do a whole like season on it. 
Yeah. Um, I found an article about deathcore, the 15 essential deathcore albums. And funny enough, it was uh, from Revolver and written by you. So <laughs> I thought you found that. Yeah, it was funny. And um, so I decided maybe that like we could run down some of the albums or all of the albums, I guess, and just kind of give some thoughts on them. And my thesis is quite similar to yours is that I think, you know, our conversation, we were kind of trying to suss out what are the influences deathcore is going to have on hardcore going forward. My thesis is something along the lines of, I think it's already been influencing hardcore. Like, Mm. and, you know, death metal too, like the maggot stomp stuff, the 20 buck spin stuff. I really think deathcore, you know, for people who are into extreme music right now, deathcore is, uh, is super influential. So let's go through the, the records. We're going to go alphabetical. Hell yeah. So sorry, you got, (laughs) yeah, no, no worries. The first one is Wormwood by the Acacia strength. Yeah. So, uh, this is a good one to start with because another argument I want to make on this podcast, I think you'll probably agree with me is that, um, it, while I do totally agree with you that deathcore is influencing hardcore right now, we're starting to see that the last couple of years and other forms of extreme music. I think for a while it's been going the other way where hardcore has had an influence on deathcore that's been more prominent in the last oh. 10 years that doesn't really get the same shine necessarily in the hardcore community or hardcore kids don't want to recognize it or maybe they just aren't seeing it. But the Acacia Strain are, are like the the canary in the coal mine for deathcore and hardcore's relationship because they were, from my understanding, like actual hardcore guys. Um, yeah. They're pioneers of deathcore. You know, they were one of the first bands to really bring the style about in the early two thousands, and their their music has always had more of a hardcore influence on it, um, way more of a transparent like hate breed vibe. Yeah. Uh, I- I I called it terror on steroids. That was yeah. my that's a really that good my way assessment. It. Totally. There's definitely a terror vibe in that. Yeah. Um but their 2010 record Wormwood that you that is in this list, I think is one of their most important records because it actually kind of like was a pivot from what they were doing. It they started incorporating a lot of sludge metal influences into their sound. This record is super slow yeah. and just like swampy and fucking genuinely really heavy like i think there's gonna be like actual extreme metal nerds who might not like any record on this list but if there's one you might like if you kind of write off deathcore but you like other forms of really heavy extreme music like this record is genuinely pretty fucking brutal (laughs) yeah it's hard um i didn't personally hear a ton of death metal on this record like the hardcore the hardcore um is definitely more pronounced. I remember this record being huge in college, like 2010 when it came out. Um, yeah, it was big. It definitely seemed like a second win for the Acacia Strain, who had been like sort of, I don't know, definitely on the front lines of Deathcore, but this was like, yeah, a big defining moment. And no one, no one that I've heard really since has followed exactly what this record's done. It kind of stands alone yeah. in terms of like, it's speed and like you said no death metal leads no melody like 
no fast parts. It's just yeah. like churning the whole way through. Well, I wonder, I wonder if, because I don't get, like, I get the feeling listening to this record that these dudes are the kind of people that if you went up to them at a show and were like, yo, do you like Earth Crisis? They would be like, hell yeah, bro. You know what I mean? Whereas I don't know if a lot of the other bands on this list, you would be able to have the same conversation with them. So like, I feel like maybe that's why it's, it might be so much different because it's like, um, you know, there's definitely a pronounced like hardcore sort of edge to this. And one thing that I really got from this in terms of like modern hardcore is that a lot of the kids who said they were ripping off disembodied for the last seven or eight years, I think they were ripping this record off. Mm. I think, I think it's a psyop. I, I think like they that. were lying to us. Probably. Or, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not hugely familiar with the disembodied catalog, but maybe a band like disembodied once you heard the acacia strain was easy to sort of get into because of like there's a lot of dissonant elements on this album and sort of like um like you said like sludgier sort of uh like slow tempo kind of stuff that i think you know bands like code orange and then the the billion bands the kind of like swagger jack code orange after that might have like been looking at this to uh to influence them i think so definitely i mean this band i've i saw perform in small like hardcore venues in upstate new york where they played like a hardcore band they played to hardcore kids they still take hardcore bands out on tour with them and they would do that back in the day too like they have no problem touring with deathcore bands and also hardcore bands so like their whole energy, their vibe, their sounds tuned to a hardcore ear. Um, and I would say them specifically, like, if not this record, then kind of just their catalog overall has been really influential on bands like Kublai Khan, bands like Burials, Chamber, yeah. like the sort of heavier side of hardcore adjacent yeah. stuff. The heaviest stuff. They're all doing Acacia Strain. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, next record on the list, All Shell Paris, Price of Existence. So this is just like a classic OG late, you know, mid 2000s deathcore record. Like one of the first deathcore records I remember hearing uh, is Eddie Hermida, who now is in Suicide Silence, has been for a while, but this was his first band, or that was first band, I don't think, but the first one that Something really took like off. That, yeah. Um, this record rips. Like it's He's got a real like crazy streak. No one else really does his vocals. Um, this like the lyrical subject matter in this record is way more like conscious, I guess you could say. Like it's saying about capitalism. It's not like you're not gonna get nuanced theory in here, but like it's it's more it's looking that way. It. Definitely. That's good. That's awesome. Um, um yeah, what do you think of it? I think this sounds to me like there were dudes in California or wherever this band's from who they really like Nile and the Black Dahlia murder and then they also really like 18 Visions and Throwdown and then they were like well we can't play as well as Nile but we can play better than 18 Visions 
So let's try and like find a halfway point between that. And I think if a band like this started today and they played hardcore shows, I think hardcore kids would eat this up with a spoon. Um, I don't know if there's any hardcore kids who can actually play this well. I'm sure there might be some, but they're not really, they're not really flashing the chops on the hardcore records like this. Um, because this kind of avoids a lot of like the trappings of deathcore that are like immediately sort of incongruous with hardcore, like, you know, like bass drops or like scat rap vocals or like, mm-hmm. you know, like gent riffs and stuff, stuff that hardcore kids, if they heard it, you know, they gotta, they gotta be eased in a little bit, I think to like the deathcore, uh, the deathcore Renaissance, you know, they, you can't come out where with the, with the bass drops and the gent riffs, you gotta like, you know, trick them a little bit into like, oh, here's some death metal riffs with some sick breakdowns, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. what this record is. So I think a band a band could try something like this and I think it would go over well. Yeah, I think I think we're as we we're gonna say a lot of times, I think we're very close to hearing this like <laughs> be the next band that you see those kids in the bay hyping up coming out of that whole like uh tsunami scene or whatnot yeah field of flames scene like look at the font on that record like field that's getting flames? pretty close to what's going on oh the uh the also parish record but it, oh. it almost looks like something we're seeing right now like the barbed wire lettering yeah let me take a look at that real quick one thing uh, we'll get actually we'll get to it later but um the aesthetic of, of deathcore I find to be very interesting and something that I, you know, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting in a good way or a bad way? Um, Cause it could be both. I think both <laughs> yeah. definitely, definitely. I have some thoughts one way and then I have some thoughts the other way as well, but there's a specific band I kind of want to touch on with that. So sure. Sure. Yeah. No problem. Um, next one, angel maker, Dissentient, is that how you say it? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is a new band. I mean, new isn't there. They've been around for eight years or something, but they're one of the hottest bands right now, Deathcore. And like, I, w- I checked out a Deathcore several years ago and came back in it when I started yeah. writing a revolver. So I'm not pretending like I, I, I know I can speak pretty well to like Deathcore of the 2000s and the early 2010s. I'm not going to say I'm an expert of 2015 to like 20. Stuff. 20 but yeah yeah i caught up and angel maker are the band that kind of came in when i was gone um but yeah they're from vancouver there's actually a lot of canadian metal oh, really? uh, deathcore bands that are really popping yeah i think there'll be another one on this list but um this band has two vocalists and they actually like make that make it seem like they're they use that effectively uh yeah tripping over my words like some bands just have that as a gimmick i don't think it's a gimmick here they actually have really good back and forths um there's a lot going on here but it also kind of has a little bit more of a classic deathcore feel there's a lot of new elements in modern deathcore this band's actually kind of doing a little bit more of a throwback style to the other older bands in this list Um, yeah now that you say that it totally like i thought this is something that i would have heard playing in my living room on at like a tuesday night in like 2011 <laughs> yeah definitely um i just think it's well done like i think modern production has helped deathcore sound better like 
it's a genre where you're just kind of competing for the biggest breakdown possible. Like, yeah, it's kind of like a silly sports game in that sense. Like, and having like the modern recording fidelity allows things to just sound bigger and heavier and more ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I think this band does that well. Nice. So yeah, I didn't really have a ton of strong feelings about this one, one way or the other. I just think like, like this is so sort of like codified to deathcore specifically that it's like, I think the people in this band are probably like a different kid from like, you know, your average hardcore kid. But I also think that your average hardcore kid who's like 21, 22 years old right now, when they were 16 or 17, they were probably rocking out to this pretty hard. And um, I totally understand the appeal of this as like a gateway. Cause like, I think if you like, like Metallica, when you're like 15 years old, if you hear like master killer by Marauder, you're probably not going to get it. But if Mm -hmm. you hear this, you're probably going to be like, Oh, this is sick. You know what I mean? Because it has like the melodic, like big room kind of elements. It has the cleaner production, but then it also has, like heavy ass breakdowns and like you know stuff that is more extreme that like would like blow someone's mind open if they'd never heard something like this before definitely i think you can go from metallica to this i think it's also easy as i did to go from slipknot to this which yeah. is what a lot of people are our age definitely made that journey <laughs> yeah there's one band on this list that we'll get to that like i heard the slipknot all over it and i was like wow this makes a ton of sense um next one up as blood runs black and the album is called allegiance so this is definitely as you were saying you identified a black dolly murder influence earlier they are all over this scene this is probably one of the more transparent uh, records that are kind of picking up exactly what they were doing yeah um i like this record a lot in high school there's some fun like one-liners it's goofy um but it's still got really heavy breakdowns, nice double bass breakdowns. Um, but when I re-listened to write this article, I was like, wow, there is a lot more Gothenburg metalcore, melodic death metal influence on the leads in here than I remembered, which totally yeah. is what Black Dahlia does. Um, it's dated, but I think there's, you know, some, this is, this is a classic. Awesome. So I think people now, like when I heard, when I heard the um, In Flames record or At The Gates, I can't remember which one, one of those bands, I'd never really heard that kind of death metal before, but like the leads and stuff were ingrained in me. And like hearing this record, as well as a couple of the other ones that came out around the same time is it? I'm like, oh, okay, like Deathcore, that's where I know this stuff from. And um, like you said, it's a little bit dated. I think that the Gothenburg sound is kind of looked at as like a little hokey now in like hardcore circles. But I think if kids did this with morbid angel riffs instead of like Mm. at the gates riffs, I think it would go over still pretty well. It still has that, um, that sort of like all shall perish esque sort of, you know, this is super raw. This is kids just like literally basically inventing a genre right now. And um, I think, you know, if you tweak it a little bit for maybe a more modern audience, you could put this on maggot stomp and it would be one of the coolest bands out. 
Yeah, pretty much any record on this list is like, hey, if you tweak this here, it could go out of Maggot Stomp. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maggot Stomp. I'm, I'm not going to get too much into it here, but um, I do fuck with some of the stuff on Maggot Stomp. But like, I think there's maybe a pretense about it that it's not deathcore, and mm-hmm. it's like, yo, like these bands are they're doing stuff that these classic death metal bands were definitely not doing, which is fine. Like I, like I said, I love some of the stuff on maggot stomp. Some of it gets a little like, like it's not even the death core stuff that I don't like on maggot stomp. It's like the stuff that's like <laughs> with the slam riffs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like fucking noise to me, but like I, that's why I feel like death core has had a big impact, not only on the hardcore scene, but also on sort of like the peripheral death metal scenes that, kind of like employ like hardcore kids yeah and i mean a lot of that stuff like oh what's that record that just came out um the record's called the nine choirs like oh Uh, tribal tribal gaze yeah um i see like 45 year old death metal heads eating that up on twitter and i'm like this sounds like a deathcore record sort of like not entirely but the vocals are different but there's definitely like heavy parts on this that aren't on morbid angel records. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, next, next up on the list is a, a big one in terms of visibility. I think bring me the horizon count your blessings. Yeah, definitely for visibility. I think this was, I mean, this was a band that got a lot of flack for Deathcore just cause they look like scene kids. They had like, the 2000s MySpace look about them. They didn't look super masculine. So obviously that got like them a ton of hate. And then this band obviously did not stay deathcore for more than an album and a half, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this record was huge and like is not the best deathcore album by any means. It The recording quality is actually one of the worst of every record on here, in my opinion. But um, these songs were really, really hot. And especially Pray for Plagues, like it's kind of just a classic deathcore song that you can't, it's kind of undeniable. Like if you're talking early era 2000s, like the boom of deathcore, like you yeah. really can't not talk about this Bring Me record. Okay. Yeah. It's, I actually like the recording on this. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it has. So I think like this record is captures like a sort of like an ethos that's ingrained in hardcore where i think this is like music made by kids for kids basically like i don't think these guys could have been much older than like out of high school but when this was recorded um they were in high school yeah and the uh production sounds like that and like it's very charming to me um the breakdowns on this record I think are the the hardcore hardcore kids are already ripping off like I think like specific transitional elements of, like going into the breakdown on mm. this record like some of the drum patterns and stuff I've heard those like in ev- in every conceivable iteration of heavy music including you know straight up hardcore and um, I think the the metal riffs on this are kind of wimpy and like a little generic but the breakdowns are the bread and butter of it for sure and lyrically there's some shit on here that's like kind of cringy but i also (laughs) think like what's the song about las vegas oh um it's like the third or fourth track something about las vegas 
and um i think that has like a poetic quality to the lyrics that kind of like foreshadow what this all what ollie sykes was gonna do like maybe later in the band although there are also like you know dur, dur, fuck you bitch like yeah. kind of shit going on here too but <laughs> you know i think that um knowing where this band kind of went you can kind of see they were talented but like 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 we've already discussed this is like literal children doing their best to make something that's never been made before so it's obviously going to have some rough around the edges qualities to it yeah i'm glad you found so much just like a a few really cool things to just shine a light on in this album um i do think it's it's got that off the cuff quality that's a good observation and i think it's also worth noting this this band was british there wasn't a whole lot of english hardcore to my knowledge coming out in the early years uh eventually it would become well, you know, much more international genre, but yeah, it, the, of the first, you know, several uh, leagues of hard of uh, deathcore in like the two thousands, like it was mostly a North American thing. So yeah, I mean, had to had a little bit of an English metalcore spin on it. I feel like nice. So the next one, Carnifex, Die Without Hope. Um. So yeah, this was never a record that I was super familiar with when I was listening to Deathcore. Carnifex were kind of just like a really present band that I just never personally got super into. Not for really any other reason other than I just didn't have any friends who got me into them. But um, yeah, they are objectively a re- like one of the best Deathcore band. They're still going, and honestly, their new stuff is is really good. Like it's still really listenable. They're really pretty technically talented, but managed to play in a way that's pretty catchy like yeah yeah you know i think this band is like fastball deathcore but like in a really good way yeah so this is the one that the band that i was talking about with the aesthetic qualities that i enjoy a bit more than some of the other bands on this list Hmm. like i always kind of thought like I'm kind of the same way. I never really like listened to Carnifex before, but I always kind of thought their merch looked a little bit cooler than some of the bands that they were associated with. I think like the cover of their first EP, that's kind of what I wish more of this deathcore stuff would look like. Um, It's just a little bit more detailed, a little bit kind of darker than, I mean, like some of the, the stuff that came out around it kind of like you know maybe a little bit cartoonish or sort of like um goofy looking i think and i think that you know carnifex is a band that sort of like dialed in the aesthetic for me and i kind of always you know had a warmer feeling towards them than some of the other stuff that kind of you know didn't take itself too seriously in that that aspect um, as for the music on this, uh, I think the death metal elements on here are really good. And the heavier their breakdowns get, the better. Some of the symphonic, like technical stuff was hit or miss for me. And then like the motorcycle, like kind of gent riffs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just not a not a huge fan of that personally, but um I think like the vocals are definitely like super deathcore on this record. But if you were to do 
like hardcore vocals over this, I feel like parts of it would sound like harm's way or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the lyrics on this, I just like the fact that these guys were probably at least 25 when these lyrics came out, kind of had me like gritting my teeth a little bit, but uh, I, I can't say I really am familiar with the lyrics of like 90% of the deathcore I've heard. Like, yeah, it's not a lyrical genre. I admire the fact that you took the time to actually read the lyrics because I feel like there's such an afterthought for so many bands and often are extremely cringy. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't I didn't really read them, but I like from what oh, I could hear, it was like like the, the more clearer stuff that came out. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, but, you know, like, I mean honestly there's a lot of bands in hardcore and death metal that i think the fact that you can't understand what they're saying they get away with a little bit more than you might be you might expect from like an indie rock band or something you know what i mean like yeah definitely like if you think about like youth crew bands and shit like they're, they're not fucking poor poet laureates either so no i mean that's the thing it's like anything any qualm you can have a deathcore for being corny, like you could find the same thing in hardcore if you look hard enough and like yeah. if you are self-aware enough. So like yeah, like um, but lyrics and deathcore are usually not usually not a strong suit. Next one up on the list, Chelsea Grin, Desolation of Eden. So notice the title of this list is 15 essential deathcore records. I'm not saying these are the best. Um <laughs> <laughs> so chelsea grin like very popular deathcore bands by all accounts like one of the more one of the most successful bands even though they've gone through a lot of lineup changes they've somehow stuck around um this was their first record and i didn't really like this that much in high school but my friend really did so i hear it all the time yeah um and it was really popular but this was like this was pretty much the band people you could point at for like the generic like just deathcore band that literally only plays breakdowns yeah like this, this in a mirror but like this is like a little more like stompier like dun, 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 just like it's, it's it's unlistenable in record form i think but the song recreant and individual tracks in this record were really popular online and this band did bring deathcore into like warp tour spaces and kind of popularized the genre with metalcore kids uh so it was it's a meaningful band a meaningful record i've never particularly cared for their music that much but kind of have to mention this one sure this is i can i like i'm glad you said that i'm glad you weren't like i love this fucking record bro (laughs) no because this is ass to me (laughs) like yeah this is is like example number one why i didn't like that before when i was like however old this was when this came out it's just like I hear the attack attack in this. I hear like the hambone new metal in this. Lots of like binary tablature, you know what I mean? Like one note riffs, two note riffs, like yeah. just like basically making a song so that you can have a breakdown. Um, yeah. <laughs> the vocals, I really this is where I started to kind of like develop sort of like I think a main reason why deathcore never appealed to me is that kind of like the high low vocal like trade off mm. doesn't really work for me personally and that seems to be like an approach that a lot of the bands 
are taking, especially after like a certain period. And, yeah. um, you know, that's just like, that's just like a stylistic thing. It's not like a, a matter of uh, taste or anything, but it's just like, if you don't like the vocals of a, of a song, it's really hard to get into it, I find. So that might be why Deathcore never really grabbed me as much as other genres. So. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, next on the list, the one that started this whole conversation, Despised Icon, The Healing Process. Yeah, so this is, to many people, like one of the most important Death Crow records. I think that's fair. It's one of the first. I think some people, you could argue it was like the first where it kind of really synthesized kind of the genre in one piece. Um, but it still sounds pretty different than most of the other records. Like it does sound more primitive. Um, I think probably for you and I in a good way, I would imagine if I had to take a guess. Yeah. Uh, if you put on one of these, some of these songs and you just put it on for someone and ask them to name which hate breed record it was, they'd probably just go along with you and try to pick. Cause <laughs> this just sounds like he's straight up, like obviously loves Jamie Josta's vocals. Um, the riffs, the, the, just the brutal, like pummeling hardcore grunting of this, of this band, but also have that death metal uh, influence. I think suffocation, I hear more in this band and I mean, suffocation are like one of the, the most influential death metal bands on Deathcore. I think that's pretty obvious, but yeah, this, this, this record's interesting because you can kind of see the cracks a little more. You can kind of see like they're the, the meld of Hatebreed style hardcore with like metalcore. I, I think I tapped Poison the Well in this article because I think that was kind of a generic sounding metalcore band at the time that they were probably influenced by. And then like death metal, like they're kind of weirdly uh, mixed together on a record like this, but I think in a charming way. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you totally took the words right out of my mouth. I think that the reason why you could black pill the hardcore community with this record is that like, so much stuff that's out right now this is swimming in the murky waters between suffocation and hate breed and like to me this is a death metal record with lots of slam elements and then some hardcore like thrown in for good measure mm -hmm. um and it's funny despise icons actually the first death core band i ever heard first day of college my roommate he's like yo come into my room and check this out and he's played in the arms of perdition by uh despises icon which is off a different record than this but mm -hmm. i was like yo what the fuck am i listening to right now <laughs> like but yeah, I, I love how you and i both had deathcore roommates our freshman year of college because <laughs> that was like a big reason like it got me more into certain elements of the genre <laughs> yeah for sure once you go to college and you got those guys who are super into it it's uh not the not the generic like college roommate getting you into smarter shit. I, I had the college roommate who got me into dumber shit. And shout out Paul, I, I try to appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my buddy, my buddy Chris too. He put me he put me on this path that has led me to sitting here with you on this beautiful night <laughs> talking about deathcore. So Hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so next up on the list. Fit for an autopsy, absolute hope, absolute hell. Uh, yes, yeah, so this is again a slightly newer band. Um, they more of the 2010s sound. 
and this band is like really really fine-tuned it's guitarist uh producer will putney who produces a ton of hardcore records he's definitely a hardcore guy yeah um you don't really hear it in in his band here i think like maybe in some elements but it is more of like a I don't know. It's more death metal in terms of his proficiency, I think, but still has like a pretty death quarry approach. Um, but this record, Absolute Help, Absolute Hell is fucking monstrous. Like it sounds amazing. He obviously puts a lot of time into this band um, yeah. sonically and the vocalist in this band is amazing. Uh, there's, there's, there's a tear, you know, you could tell like, the difference between like a really good deathcore vocalist and like a pretty good one can entirely make or break a band because the vocals, like how well you scream over the breakdown is like so much of it. Yeah. I think this band like excels at that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like the, like there's a little bit of singing on this record. It's not like the traditional, like high, low, high, low stuff either. It's like, you know, its own flavor. I think, these, this is the type of band where, like, it's definitely deathcore, but if you were to ask the guys in the band, they'd probably be like, oh, we're playing heavy music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, and it has very much its own sound, like, to back that up. Um, definitely, you could definitely tell Will Putney produced this. And then some of the guitar stuff that he's doing, like, some of the weird pinch harmonics or... You know, I'm not even sure if it's a pinch harmonic, but some of the like weirder like robot noises that the guitars mm-hmm. are making, you hear bands like Code Orange and Bane kind of doing that like later on. And I'm pretty sure Will Putney produced some of those records. Yes, definitely. Definitely so Bane. Yeah. You can definitely tell the influence that he had on like those bands, which, and I mean, he's in that band end now too, which is like, a hardcore band more straight up hardcore i still i still hear some like you know deathcore kind of elements in that band because they're super fucking heavy but i yeah. think like on the uh in presentation and sort of in like ethos they try and like aim to be a hardcore band so yeah definitely um sure it's a good sounding record though yeah it's great um next up job for a cowboy doom not a great sounding record uh, by the same standards, at least. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, potentially the most important deathcore record ever, uh, just because of the reaction I had. I think like I wasn't there in two thousand five, but this record was like this band's like the way people hated this band was still reverberating throughout like the metal blogs uh... even when I was getting into deathcore in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, like. Job for a Cowboy were a punchy bag, even though they became way more of like a tech death band after this. Yeah. Um, and you think they let the criticism get to them? Like, and you know, that's I'd, I'd be curious to know. I, I feel like probably not. Like, I mean, maybe because if you're going to prove like Metal Sucks writers wrong, you'd become tech death, I guess, even though that's <laughs> like the most boring extreme metal genre, in my opinion. But like, yeah. um, <laughs> I feel like they were probably just got way better at making it playing extreme music. And we're like, fine, we'll, we'll do what we want. But they were teenagers when they made this, I believe. And it sounds like it, it's very low stakes. It's pretty silly with the pig squeals. 
the iconic pig squeals on this record that so many bands knocked knocked off and so many critics of deathcore derided pretty much just like we're talking about this sound of this ep in particular um but it's it's the source material so you gotta you gotta recognize it yeah for sure now this is a record that i've always really tried to get into because it is cited as something that's like super important in the development of deathcore so every time i you know every like year or so when i like try and get into deathcore this will be one of the records that i like put on and it's never hit for me but i think that not so much you know the album itself it just employs kind of a songwriting style that i don't really love which is a little bit more like like frenetic and sort of chaotic than um you know like like quick transitions kind of like not a lot of repeating parts like that kind of stuff but now that i've started listening to more like bands like suffocation and nile after doing this death metal podcast it's Mm. i'm more ready to appreciate this i think for like you know sort of like what it is in terms of its ambition and Mm. i think this is another one where um change the vocals change the way that the chug riffs are used a little bit and this comes out on 20 bucks spin and people eat it up like crazy. <laughs> totally. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't really know if this record's in print still, but like if if they if they could, like a label like that would reissue this in a few years and like just have some variant that, you know, so many hardware kids would pick up. Like this is absolutely we are so close to job for a cowboy style stuff coming in. Um like yeah. that that band Volcano on Dazed, like yeah, is like not a hardcore band, and they're not a death metal band, dude. That band is straight up doing like somewhere between Despised Icon and this, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think, like you said, this is going to be one of the first bands that hardcore kids jock, unless it's too obvious for them, because sure. there is that there is that kind of like hardcore kid snobbery where like. You know, if like the the thirty year old deathcore guys are really putting on for this hardcore kid, might try and find something a little bit less surface level. But you know, they might listen to this in their spare time and pretend it doesn't influence their band or something. <laughs> I don't know. True, true, true. So next up, Never Bloom, Make Them Suffer. Or no, sorry, is it Make Them Suffer is the band and then Never yeah, Bloom, make, the make, make Them Suffer is the band. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is an Australian band. Australia has a really hot deathcore scene, has for a long time, uh, especially the gent stuff. But uh, this came out in 2012. Kind of missed me at the time. I think this band, this record, from what I understand, had a bit of a slow burn and let people uh, caught onto it throughout the decade. And super influential in terms of the symphonic style that deathcore would take uh, in the later 2010s and is currently, uh, you know, subsumed in right now. Okay. Um, so this record has got the big, just like string, fake strings and like big keys and, um, you know, like there's some cleans in here and just like a little more like of a, a beautiful sort of like ornate vibe that pretty much no other deathcore bands were doing at the time in 2012. Like it was still sure. all about like being, making hideous sounding music. So this was yeah. a, yeah, bit ahead of the curve. For sure. I mean, this type of stuff, like symphonic stuff 
usually a non-starter for me like when a black metal band tries to do this i'm not into it at all um i think the base of this record is like completely serviceable like metalcore that i found to be like you know the songs were pretty tight for what they were uh when the symphonic uh elements were tasteful i think it added a lot of texture but there was also these moments on this record where it sounded like either there were like two songs playing at once or like the dude was just like playing a piano over top of like a deathcore song and like i don't think it was like mixed predict particularly to my taste and um so that kind of took me out of it but um you know that's that's my feelings on it i don't know i feel like a symphonic hardcore band would be a little out there but weirder stuff has happened so maybe yeah i don't know yeah i'm not sure if this is really going to make its way to hardcore anytime soon but like you said maybe (laughs) so next up shadow of intent primordial so this is another band who are really, really big right now. One of the biggest bands in deathcore. Interesting. Um, this record is really good, uh, but they're like it's very well made. I like their earlier. Their, I'm sorry, their newer stuff better. Like particularly the record that came out this year, I've checked out. Uh, this band is just undeniably good at what they do. Extremely tight guitar playing, um, and some really melodic leads. It, they're techie but in a way that's listenable to me uh yeah. still got super heavy breakdowns this record has like some like they were formed as like a halo themed band so like there's a whole sort of like nerdy geeky side of them that sure yeah I, they, they've kind of paired back on the newer stuff which I, i'm kind of into but like this record was really big when it came out and um they've only gotten bigger nice yeah well i was actually like pleasantly surprised with this especially after hearing the record before this and kind of like being put off by some of the more like risk taking elements, I guess you could say, like, I don't like the band atheist very much like the death metal band atheist Mm -hmm. who kind of like is going for like a similar thing like this. But I thought, so I thought this like wouldn't hit for me, but I thought it was so well done to the point of where I think artistically up to everything we've heard so far, like in terms of like an artistic statement, I think this might be the most well-crafted or at least interesting thing on this list. And the production works really well for this. Um, I think it like, as opposed to the make them suffer record, it's like the production only kind of serves to like blend the more progressive elements of this into the song. So it doesn't feel out of place. And that's, you know, something that I really appreciated because it didn't feel like the song started and like stopped and just went into like a jazz bass solo. It kind of like <laughs> flowed really well. Yeah. And just like the the record we just talked about, um, the base of this is so entrenched in like deathcore and like more like modern deathcore that I don't think any of the original ideas on this are going to end up in hardcore anytime soon. But there are some hard riffs on here, so maybe if someone wants to riff lift, they can kind of go back over this one and <laughs> see what's up. Yeah, I'll just like techie hardcore is just it's just tough, but you never know. Like, I mean, there's definitely kids who are gonna be getting into hardcore who came up on this style of deathcore soon. So 
Yeah. All right. Suicide silence, the cleansing. Uh, so another just absolute essential and is probably upon revisiting all these records. When I wrote this last year, I was like, this is the one that I like the best. I think um, kind of the entry level answer, but I really just do think this band when mixed was in the band or just a superior first wave deathcore bands. Um, I think his vocals are obviously could be a turnoff for some people. They're extremely shrieky, but like to me in an impressive way, like the fact that he could produce as much volume and, and like just violent attack that he can from his throat, I think is pretty insane. And the band just wrote like really, really hard breakdowns that again, mesh well, really well with his vocals and just the way this record was recorded sounds raw, but also just really hard. Um, and it's just a weird, like, of all the, like, a deathcore band, like, Whitechapel will talk about, to me, they aren't catchy at all, but Suicide Silence have, like, a catchiness to their heavy parts that, if not hardcore, at least, like, you could find common ground in terms of, like, really heavy hardcore band, like, Marauders, like, super heavy, but, like, you could still, like, grunt along to yeah. one of their songs. Um, I think obviously a ton of hardcore kids came up through suicide silence. That's already been made up apparent abundantly clear, but like it'll only continue. Yeah. I, you know what? I definitely, I think we're just like the Chelsea grin album, how you didn't like it. And I didn't like it. I think our death core sensibilities are aligning because I <laughs> like this record a lot. I have for a while, like this is kind of like the death core record that, you know, I'll I tell people oh, I don't like really like Deathcore except this Suicide Silence record. I think this is my pick for the the band that Hardcore Kids going to start jocking next, and I might even you know I'm going to try and start the the train here because like everything you said, I I totally back this record. The way it was recorded, it's absolutely ferocious. It's raw as shit. There's no like I think some of like the like as Blood Runs Black, you can hear like this is the death metal part with all the yeah. tones and stuff. And this is the hardcore part. Let's change our, our tone. And like this record, like it's just ferocious heaviness, like start to finish. I, I want to say like, I don't know why death metal heads aren't jocking this record yet because, you know, after listening to this, sure. There's maybe like some breakdowns that are a little bit more like core ish, but I think that was super period specific. I think you could put this up against any of the classic death metal, like, you know, classic death metal bands from the 80s and 90s. This is just as hard. It's just as brutal. It's got just as much songwriting chops to it. I really think this record is fucking sick. And I, the, uh, Mitch's vocals, like you said, too, this is the one time where the high low shit works for me because it sounds one natural and two, like actually threatening to me mm -hmm. in this context. And yeah, great record. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they want a record to jump into first, I would say probably check this one out because it's fucking, it's just so well written in my opinion, very catchy, like you said. So Absolutely. I, I think like anyone who fucks with dying fetus right now, they're a super hot death metal band for hardcore kids. Like this is the next logical step. Like yeah. 
Definitely. Because um, it's fucking it's fucking heavy. Yeah. It's and it's fast and it's well played and it sounds like intense as shit. Yeah. All right. Thy art is murder hate. So this is another band that I think kind of became one of like the most extreme deathcore bands after Whitechapel and Suicide Silence kind of held that title in the late 2000s. Um, this record, when it came out, was in 2013, I believe. It was just absolutely huge sounding. It sounded way ahead of its time in terms of the production value it had. It's an Australian band. Um, it's just really, really, really beastly. It had a really iconic cover art that also looked really cool at the time. And I think like this record still holds up against deathcore that's coming out now um and it was very very influential i think like i don't know the the waves may be a little more uh subtle than i i rank them but i rank the first wave of deathcore being pretty much like the 2000s this this would be like an iconic second wave deathcore record okay um yeah i I hear you yeah i hear you on that sorry go ahead no i i was just gonna say like I don't know if I like it. My current years, I don't know if I like it as much as I like Suicide Silence. Suicide Silence, I just think, plays better to someone like me who currently is more interested in hardcore and death metal than deathcore. But like, yeah. this has the intensity, I think, for the most part, that matches that. Um, if you like a little bit more of a cleaner, more of contemporary style production. Yeah. I think this album has had its moment in hardcore over the last 10 years too, or maybe not 10 years because it came out 10 years ago, you know, last seven to five to seven years, like the death metal parts on this ripped to me, the breakdowns were heavy. I think the dissonant, like sort of off time breakdowns again, like we want to point to Acacia strain for like spearheading the disembodied revival. I think this is right there with that kind of like, you know, dissonant heaviness and, I like this better than the Acacia Strain record, actually, because it was like a fair bit faster. Sure. And I feel like this is pretty refined in terms of taste. Like, I bet um, older kids were probably getting into this. Like, I don't know if this would be like an entry level deathcore band or this might be something along the lines that, you know, you would get into once you were familiar with the genre. I think... uh... At first, they were a little bit more of a headspan, but this after this record kind of blew up, they became a little more entry level. But I still do think this is a record you could grow into as a deathcore fan. It's not like it's not the kitty shit necessarily, you know? Yeah, and I also feel like the dudes in Vane were probably in a band that sounded like this, and then they heard <laughs> like Jane Doe or something, and then yeah. they were like, "Okay, now we're in Vane." And I love uh, that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> The triggered drums, the first couple songs, the like heavily triggered drums kind of took me out of it a little bit. But sure. once I settled into it, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. So, yeah, not a bad record at all. And then finally, um, Whitechapel, this is Exile. So this is another, it's right up there with Jaffrey Cowboy and Suicide Silence. I mean, those are maybe the big three of First Wave Deathcore. At least my big three. This was this band was ex- extremely popular, weirdly popular, I think, in the Warp Tour circle, given how heavy and like, I think, kind of challenging 
Phil Bozeman's vocals can be for someone who listens to like, you know, if you're listening to a day to remember, yeah. <laughs> or you listen to the Devil Wears Prada, like this is a completely different level of like demonic heaviness and those lows he can do. Sure. Um, this band was on Metal Blade. They were playing very competent deathcore. I think they got shat on by death metal heads, but I think unfairly so. Like I think one of the more equipped to play death metal bands of this era, uh, if they wanted to, more death metal influence, I think, than hardcore for that for for sure. I don't yeah, think there's really sure much that, hardcore yeah. at all. Not really, no. Yeah, I mean they're they're still putting out music that's gotten a little more melodic over the years, a little more experimental in some ways. I think the early shit captures like that anger uh that's kind of kind of unmatched. Like the fury of Phobosman's vocals are are pretty tough to top. Yeah, the the vocals were there two vocalists in this band or three uh, vocalists? No, no, I think it was always just Phil. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of doing that high low high low stuff a little bit too, but like it wasn't it wasn't grating on my ears in any capacity in this. Um, this is the band that I heard a lot of Slipknot in. Okay. Um, I also feel like this record, if you started listening to heavy music in the last ten years or so or less, this is in your DNA because of like you know like the off time China breakdowns that are on here, mm-hmm. like the sort of like new metal influence, but like not super overt, like more sort of like extreme take on it i think like if you got in post like 2012 into this kind of stuff or maybe even 2010 you know whatever it's um this record's probably some you've either heard this record before you've heard somebody ripping this record off before and i feel like this is way ahead of its time too like the other stuff on this list maybe with the exception of suicide silence it's that came out you know around this like this came out in 2008 right yeah um, so like all the stuff that came out in 2006 and like before this, it's like, this is the hardcore part. This is the death metal part. Whereas this is like, no, no, this is our band. This is what our band sounds like. And like, it's, um, yeah, it definitely has a fluidity to it. Um, yeah. and three guitarists. So oh, really? they, they, yeah, so that that's, they have just like that. There's, there's the leads are never that technical, but like there's just more force to everything. I think like, you know, just building off the Slipknot kind of vibe to that. I feel like if you show a kid who's into Slipknot this record, and then you show this rec, you show that kid Code Orange after this, and then you show them Earth Crisis, that's how you get a hardcore kid in 2022. <laughs> I think so. It's funny. I don't like. I never identified Slipknot in this band but now i definitely hear what you mean in terms of i guess it's the riff style and sort of like the the rhythmic style yeah that's uh, the iowa era slipknot yeah that's what i'm thinking that's really the only slipknot that i'm super familiar with sure um the best stuff yeah <laughs> yeah um like it's just it's not death metal right like there's some there's something else to the song structures that's like not death metal and like it's not super slipknot like there's like breakdowns on this that like like there's not breakdowns like that in slipknot songs you know what i mean there's not breakdowns like that in death metal songs either it's distinctly its own thing but like i get some of the more like like 
sort of like jump the fuck up kind of riffs on this record. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, like slip my, I'm not a big new metal head personally. Sure. Either. Um, just kind of like, you know, my, like never really reached me for whatever reason. So like maybe it's something else that I'm hearing, but to me, like Iowa by Slipknot, that's kind of, you know, what I'm picking up on this record. I mean, I'm sure these guys were, that was their childhood music, I'm sure. So like, yeah, like definitely. Uh, and, I, and I hear it. I hear what you mean. Um, I saw in your, in your notes, and I think it's worth mentioning, that there was a band that I didn't include on this list. Oh, yeah. We forgot. We <laughs> went right over that because I was looking on my phone. Yeah. I think is uh, relevant to what we're saying about new metal's influence on deathcore. Yeah, um, which is a mirror. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, which I, it's funny. Like I think when I made this list, like I qualified a mirror as like metalcore because I think they are between the two. Okay. I think they're their own thing, to be honest. Like I don't for as as much shit as mirror has gotten, I think rightfully so in a lot of ways, and like as incredibly simplistic and one note as their music is, it is like a one note that not too many other bands for a long time actually were able to or cared to replicate. Yeah. Like I think there's they became in a lot of obvious Amir clones in the mid 2010s. But like mm-hmm. the old shit, like the felony era Amir or whatever, like the the Amir that was coming out when these other bands were coming out was like really the only group from this world who was transparently flying the the uh the new metal flag and i think they were, they were like a decade ahead of like new metal revival or whatever you know yeah um pretty much like a rap metal deathcore hybrid but yeah i think there's the a reason lot of corn in, in that uh oh yeah definitely and limp biscuit yeah um, but, yeah, but they, the reason we didn't include them the reason yeah i think is just because they don't have any leads whatsoever. And like, I mean, maybe that's not the, the best qualifier because some of these bands don't either, but like their music is so simplistic. It feels more akin to metalcore to me um, with just like a slightly heavier approach. Um, and maybe that is what a lot of deathcore is, but like specifically like attack attack style. Yeah, very, sure. Very, just, just all one note. One yeah, like, a lot of. I was actually so I was actually in a band. I forgot to mention this up top. I was in a band, like I joined a band when I met some dudes from Kijiji because I couldn't find any like lot of cute bands to play in or whatever. <laughs> and they their biggest influence was like a mirror, and that was you know, I mean like a mirror has never been my favorite band, but hearing these kids try and rip a mirror off. <laughs> it's very obvious that Amir is good at what they do. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like you think that you could probably do it, but it's not, it's not as easy as you think it is. I don't think like the Royal you like, yeah, yeah, you know, of course, of course kids in a band. In yeah. I mean, it takes a certain you have to have this the very specific gear first of all yes yeah. it's just whatever their tones are are theirs kind of and then you have to be able to do those palm muted chugs really fast uh they're all the same i mean literally that band put out every record sounds the same <laughs> um but they were really i think they were really important too and like they were big and um 
I don't know. I think it's worth mentioning. And and they were doing like I said, new metal long, long before Vane started doing new metal. Code Orange started having new metal elements. Yeah. Like that it was funny when that when those bands started doing that, it was like presented as a super novel, revolutionary like innovation on extreme core music. It's like, yeah. no, dude, Amir was doing that 10 years ago. Like <laughs> it wasn't particularly I think it's better, but I don't think it's like <laughs> it didn't strike me as like no, it wild. Wasn't, wasn't the groundbreaking thing that people thought it was. I think yeah. you know, much like much like deathcore, new metal was sort of a dirty word when I got into hardcore, sure. and then or sorry, not death metal, deathcore. Much like deathcore, new metal was sort of like the dirty word, and that we saw how that ended, right? Like now it's like. Of course, I listened to new metal when I was a kid. What are you talking about? You know, and now it's like we're a year and a half away, I think, from. Of course, I listened to Deathcore when I was a kid. What are you talking about? So, yeah, I think like, you know, it was at first sort of a tongue in cheek thing, like, haha, I'm wearing a slipknot shirt to the show. LOL. <laughs> They're kind of good though. And then like a year later, it was like, no, dude, what are you? Are you kidding me? Like I shelled out 80 bucks for the Slipknot jersey. Like <laughs> that's just what it is. Like it's merch swapping Slipknot shit. Like that's exactly what it's going to be with Deathcore. Cause I think it, there's similar genres in that. Like they're not super self-serious either of them. They yeah. have like a sort of silliness to them a little bit more like, um, I don't know, more adolescent vibes, I think. And it, you kind of have to, it doesn't really mesh well with hardcore in that sense. Like hardcore is yeah. not a silly genre most of the time, but no hardcore takes itself too seriously <laughs> if anything. Absolutely. But I, I think musically at the very, we're, I mean, I, I just think that's the biggest indicator is what we're talking about with tsunami, what we're talking about with days and Magus stops sort of these like bands and labels who are kind of being a little more uh, over the top with their presentation. Like, obviously being a little more goofy and yeah, sure yeah just kind of i don't know being not super this is like super meaningful music and like there's we're not making we're not putting out fucking blacklisted records you know what i mean like we're yeah. just being like yeah the guy from tsunami is not putting his heart on his sleeve when he's writing lyrics it's no. like you know um i think also we're getting to a point in like hardcore the scene around hardcore where whether you not you like deathcore you probably grew up with it around you you know because like i'm like 31 years old right i'm pretty old when it comes to hardcore kids and like i was being exposed to deathcore and you know some of my friends some of my friends stayed over in that world, you know, got into like more technical stuff, more complex shit, but then some of them migrated over to, you know, hardcore too. And like, I think it's at the point now where some of these deathcore kids, kids who got into deathcore, hard, sorry, some of these kids who got into hardcore from deathcore have been into hardcore for like half a decade, a decade now to the point where like, there's, they're the OGs now yeah. you know what i mean like we, we talk about days i just listened to uh the forum of passion episode 
with the guy from Days. I think his name is like Lumpy or something. Yeah. And he's very proudly saying, yeah, I went to like metalcore shows. I went to deathcore shows. I went to all, it was heavy music. You know what I mean? I, I was going to every show I could. And, you know, eventually, I guess eventually he maybe saw like Backtrack or something and was like, yo, this is where it's at. You know what I mean? But this is like identical to what I, I experienced pretty much like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like every, I was trying to think like, I, I'm always been a little bit of a loner. Like I was never like, I never really considered myself a hardcore kid or any, like I never subscribed to any specific genre, try to put my whole identity in that, like you know? the community sort of element of it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I just like, I always had friends who weren't really into the same music that I've been into. And if it is overlapped, it was, it was just different stuff. But like, um, every, every friend I've ever had who does like hardcore came from metalcore or deathcore or post hardcore. Like anyone who I know that's my age, unless you were like a dyed in the wool hardcore kid. And even if you are like you, you came up through the stuff that was handed to you, which just, it wasn't minor threat. Like it wasn't a punkorama CD for anyone under the age of 30, or even if like, like, I don't know what your, you know, sort of trajectory was. Sounds like you and I are actually pretty similar, but like, I just think that the age old, like, here's how you get into hardcore that's been regurgitated for, for like, is just so dated at this point. Like the way people in the nineties and even the two thousands got into hardcore is like completely different than yeah. how the modern hardcore kid has got into it. And that's sort of the, what you're saying with the impetus of this podcast episode is like, it's changing the sound of the genre. Yeah. I think totally like, yeah the the sort of like expectation in hardcore that you came out of the womb with the fucking breakdown demo is like <laughs> yeah it's not realistically how a lot of people got in and i mean i was getting in through stuff that you know could be considered like a little bit more like cool like bands like hot water music or like mm-hmm. last jaw and stuff like that i kind of gravitated to early but i mean even that is like like that's not minor threat you know what i mean it's Death. not it's not yeah. the bad brains it's like it's emo it's just you know it's the same pretense of something like tj amore where it like it seems a little bit deeper so maybe people aren't willing to like look at it like look at this fucking spectacle you know what i mean but at the end of the day it's like grown men crying about shit so like <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah it's totally emo guy too but like i think I mean, if you were attracted to moshing and the sort of pit live atmosphere of a hardcore show, you didn't just have to like hardcore wasn't the only place to find that Yeah, from like 2005 onward. I think when metalcore really crossed over into like, you know, the warp tour sphere, like the mall sphere. And like you could go to warp tour no matter what kind of kid you were, you could find your way there and see people hardcore dancing or whatever, even if it was poorly done. Like that's just how that was the easiest way to become initiated. Like it wasn't finding punk rock first, you know, like what was punk rock in the 2010s? Like it was just like dinosaur green day bands, you know, like, yeah. Or it's like some 41 and blink 182 and like, that yeah. kind of stuff. That... And maybe you do find that, but that is not the easiest like yeah, lot, there's no linear line from that to hardcore it's yeah. way more linear to start with a day to remember <laughs> yeah that's what i don't think i don't think you're going right from blink 182 into 
restraining order or some shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. It's like Blink-182, MCR, lot of spew restraining order. Like that's probably the path you're taking at, you know, whatever age. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just to kind of sum this all up, like the exercise that we just did, thank you so much for, you know, grinding it out with me. That was one hell of a ride. Um, yeah, man, that was really fun. I'm glad you really did listen to all those records. That's that's impressive. Um, so happy to talk about them with you. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. There's some stuff in this exercise I think will never permeate hardcore because it's just like a completely different sensibility, a different world. There's some stuff that I hope never permeates hardcore because it's <laughs> like definitely not to my taste. I find it kind of corny, but yeah. um, I think there's stuff on here that hardcore bands have already been doing, e even if just like by osmosis, by the fact that they were at some of these deathcore shows before they were at hardcore shows, or if it's conscious decision. And then... I think if someone approached like taking some of these ideas with like an unpolished sort of DIY shine to it, I think it could do really well in the hardcore scene. Like, I just want to say if anyone is listening to this and you're thinking of starting a deathcore band, do what suicide silence did and record it live because mm. that shit fucking rips. And like, you know, the more, the rawer and more intense this stuff gets, to me like the the more appealing it is so for my personal sensibility anyways i mean maybe other people will feel different from me but like i think there's definitely sort of like a crossover like the bring me the horizon album too even like how you know, amateurish and like you know sort of like unpolished it was i think there's a real hardcore kind of spirit in that so you know i think definitely we're we're like a year or two out if that from this just being completely accepted in the hardcore community. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think that's entirely true. I think the band you could look at for really ushering this through the door, even though they're, I think they are admittedly not at all influenced by Deathcore is Noctilus, who are probably one of the big, if not, it's not Turnstile, but the second biggest hardcore bands yeah. out right now. And their sound is, I think, a very easy transition. It's just right between deathcore and hardcore. I think, in terms of the production quality, the heaviness, the the just obsession with breakdowns. Um, so <laughs> it's just going to turn one more turn of the wheel, and you're just in straight up suicide silence territory. And like, who wouldn't want to see? If you're into God's hate, why would you not want to see a band play? suicide silence breakdowns opening for that like the the moshing for that would be absolutely insane like it'd yeah. be extremely fun like and it's it's gonna happen so i'm looking forward to it <laughs> all right eli thank you so much for joining me thank you so much Vince. this was great really appreciate it yeah talk to you later take care <laughs>